0: And welcome to the second episode of the Be Loved, Be Bold podcast. Today I have my dad here with me. And Hello. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so excited he gets to be here.
1: I'm excited too.
0: He has an amazing testimony, and it's I mean, any testimony isn't amazing, but his is particularly awesome for students to listen to, and so I'm so glad he gets to be with us. But to start out, I thought it'd be fun if we played a game and I wrote down a list of favorite things um, and tried to guess what my dad's were, mm-hmm. and he's got his answers on his sheet. Okay. So let's go through these and let's see how many I can get right. I, f- I feel like I, I feel like I'm, I did a pretty good job. Okay. Favorite. We started out with favorite ice cream flavor. Okay. And,
1: Do you want me? To, you want to answer this now?
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess, and okay. then you tell me if I got it right. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Mint chocolate chip. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know what it is about mint chocolate chip, but I used to, like, when I was coming back, when I'd be out driving for work, I would stop in Macomb, and they have, like, a little Baskin Robbins, and and I've put on, like, so much weight just eating mint chocolate chip, uh, it's I it's so it. good.
0: That's why I love it, too. is because of you. Um, next one, favorite movie.
1: Okay, so this, I could have picked, there's so many that, that I could have gone with. I could have picked Shawshank Redemption because I love that. I could have picked Braveheart,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I actually picked It's a Wonderful Life.
0: Oh, dang it. I forgot about that one.
1: I, I think at I Christmas forgot. time, I, I just love that movie because I think uh, the the very ending of it has such a good message, and it's like, no one is a failure in life who has friends. I
0: and, love that. Yep. Yeah, that I was put, actually I, my
1: senior quote, too. I
0: put, <laughs> I put Shawshank, but... Yeah, I love that too. I forgot that was favorite. Okay, favorite hobby. I feel like this is going to be an easy one.
1: My hobbies are seasonal, but right now I would say (coughs) uh, golf is my favorite hobby.
0: Yes. Okay, I put golf. You got it? Yeah.
1: All
0: right, so I got got two right. Two for three. All right, here we go. Favorite type of music. And this was hard for me to put an answer for, so.
1: Yeah, this was hard Uh, for me to, like, because I love, I really love all types of music. I can go from. From rap to rock to, uh, I mean, I I guess right now I listen to more country than anything, so I'd say country. And country's changed a lot, so.
0: Yeah. I just put Country's
1: become a little bit of pop.
0: It has. It really has. Like, any country song now has a good, yeah, pop beat to it. So I I put anything with a good beat.
1: (laughs) Yep. Now, I like that. Anything you can kind of dance to. Yeah. No doubt.
0: We have some good car rides in our family. Um- Favorite food?
1: Uh, if you miss this, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> uh, it's Mexican.
0: Yes. I said. Taco
1: Mexican. Tuesday, Taco Thursday. We did Taco Thursday last week, but.
0: Taco Tuesday. Well, we
1: just, we just Quarantine. Got, we, we just, just got back tacos. from eating tacos, so.
0: <laughs> All right. Fa- now, this is the last one. Um, and I, ah, this, this, may or may not have gotten this one right, but favorite Superstar.
1: Favorite superstar, which could be athlete or uh, singer or comedian Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or movie star. I I don't. It is so like I I don't know if I could put like one uh, person on it, but I guess if I if I did, and this was just kind of on the fly, uh, probably Will Ferrell.
0: That's what I said. Really. Yeah, got it right.
1: He just cracks me. Up. I know his movies are kind of lewd, and we probably shouldn't be talking about it on this type of podcast. But <laughs> well,
0: I mean, we have a really funny story. But he's funny. We we actually saw Will Ferrell in person, which was so fun. Um, we used to go to Mardi Gras a lot to visit our, uh, my dad's older sister, or when she lived in New Orleans. And he was actually in one of the parades, and Dad knew <laughs> the sign to make to get him to like to get his attention. For him to throw us a That's
1: when, uh, when he used to do the... That's when he used to do... Will Ferrell Saturday Night Live is one of the best. He, that's when he's at his best, I think. And he would do the uh, Harry Carey. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, for the Chicago Cubs announcer, that character. And uh, we made a sign that basically said, Hot dogs.
0: <laughs> the hot dog? Throw me... was like
1: throwing a cowbell. Yeah, bell. throw me a cowbell or something like that.
0: All right. Well, that was fun. I, I did pretty good. I just missed the uh, movie... And could have narrowed down the music to to country, I guess. But anyways, that was fun. Okay, so like I said, my dad is here to tell his testimony. And obviously, I've heard it before. And some of you listening probably have heard it before. If you've heard him share it at um, Fall Retreat and Youth Group or I don't know. But I think there are a lot of people who haven't. So I'm really glad he gets to talk. And so, Dad, I'm just going to let you... Take it away. Yeah, and
1: feel free to ask questions. Um, so my testimony was, I didn't really grow up in a churched family. We we would go to church. You know, we were the Christmas, Easter type of family, and we would we would show up for those services. We went to um, Saint Andrew's Episcopal Church. Um, but like I said, we weren't very churched, But I, you know, I came from a broken home. My um, dad was an alcoholic, and. It was uh, it was very very tough. He could be he could come in and be rough on us. I mean, there were several nights that my dad I, my 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 room was the first room next to the front door, and I could tell if it was going to be a bad night or not by the way if he had a hard time getting the key in the door. And so, um, so you know, ex- experiencing that with Mary Lee, my older sister Molly, my younger sister, um, we were always trying to take care of my mom, take care of BB, and um, uh, try, you know, try to keep my dad from uh, being too too rough. But so I I pretty much built up a wall, <clears throat> you know, as a kid, you start building. I built this kind of wall that kind of uh, guarded my heart. And, and I also uh, try to stay away from the house as much as possible. So in high school, especially as I got older, I'd go over to friend's house, uh, all the time, whether it was Stanton or, you know, all, you know, all my friends, but, you know, and so I I would stay away from home and I'll never forget one day coming home. Well, there was, there was two, two moments as a kid that kind of stuck out was one day, one night uh, a fight broke out in the den and, and it was always a bunch of yelling. As a kid, it was so hard. But I remember going into the den and uh, my dad was, Molly was already in there. My dad was in there and he was holding a bottle of vodka in one hand. And I came in and I said something like, you know, dad, you love that more than you love us. And he looked at me and said, yeah, I do. Mm. And that was just kind of a dagger. And it wasn't so much that at that point, but I definitely did did kind of, you know, hearing your dad say that, it just kind of like, well, you know, what's, you know, what's not what's the point, but just kind of like, what is it, what does it even really matter? Yeah. And I kind of started living really kind of my own, you know, I wouldn't say that I was a pagan, like pagan, you know, I was kind of like one of these good kids that was viewed as good. And, but, but I was, I was still... You know, basically running away from from God and doing mm-hmm. you know living basically like a pagan lifestyle. So, um <clears throat> but you know, then the next the next big thing that hit was I came came home one day and and I saw Dad putting all our furniture on the front yard. This was right before I went to school at Ole Miss, yeah. and I was like, "What in the world is going on?" I, I mean, he was coming out of the house and he was putting couches and chairs i mean our front yard on fairview street in Bellhaven, like all this furniture was out there and i had no idea what was going on Mm -hmm. and you know uh, i kind of went inside and tried to figure out what was happening of course my mind was set on getting up to school and getting away from the madness and um anyway you know mom lets me know that dad's basically kicking us out of the house and we're going to find another place to live. Yeah. So, you know, that was another thing. But at the time, you know, I was just thinking, I, I just got to get off to school. So, you know, the crazy thing is like, even while I was not, I, I would say I was not in Christ, I wasn't a, a believer. I, I do remember like even praying. I had no... You know, no concept of the gospel, any of that stuff. But when I got to Ole Miss, I started, you know, living living it up a little bit, partying, having fun. Yeah. And um, I guess it was—there uh, was one night I remember in college because, I mean, I was definitely—I was lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was having fun and what what I thought was fun. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I just— I know Mary Lee, Mary Lee was a, my older sister was a believer and she was involved with RUF. And I know that she was praying for me a lot. And towards the end of my sophomore year, I remember that uh, I went to an RUF. There was this girl that I, that had asked me to like uh, some swap or something. And we both decided that we were going to try to start living right. And so <laughs> I went to, to RUF and, and you know, I didn't know it at the time, but Mary Lee had been praying for me. A, Bunch and um, and I went to this Ruf and I sat there and the and Jeffrey Lancaster who was the Ruf director he was preaching and I swear I swear I felt like everybody knew that I was coming tonight mm-hmm. and that Mary Lee had like told Jeffrey that this is what he needed to preach on. I felt
0: like it was directed to you. It, I
1: felt like it was directed right at me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and that just shows you how God can kind of speak through His Word, but. I remember just being in there because I knew the things that I'd been doing and what 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 I'd done, and God's word sitting there convicting me. And so the only thing I wanted to do that night was get the heck out of there because I was like, oh my gosh, everybody knows I'm here. They're they're looking at me. They've been (laughs) praying for me. This is so and so. Anyway, I got out of there. Well, that summer, that summer, I um I went back home and I worked on an ice truck all summer. And I would throw five thousand eight-pound bags of ice out a day. And um, anyway, I had a lot of time to think about stuff. But I remember passing an accident on the highway,
0: mm.
1: and there was there were actually there was a man that was basically being put in a body bag, body bag right there on the highway. And I started thinking in that moment, it's like if I was to die today, and and I had. I mean, I grew up at First Press, so I had all this biblical knowledge, <clears throat> and yeah. First Press was was great for that. So I knew so much about the Bible and knew all these things. But if I was to die in that moment, where would I go? And I and I couldn't answer that question. I didn't know if I was a Christian or not. Or so I remember I I started reading my Bible a lot, mm-hmm. and I. I started reading the Bible that summer and I didn't really have anybody kind of teach me through it or anything. But, um, and I decided that when I got back to Ole Miss, so this was going to be kind of my junior year that I was going to get my act together, start living right. Because I mean, I was the guy that had a lot of fun, you know, would drink, you know, I started my, especially my sophomore year, I remember I was smoking a lot of pot and (laughs) I remember, um, For some reason, I didn't even clean out my room at the Simakai house at the end of the year. And my sister, Mary Lee, and one of her friends, they went to clean out my room. I don't even know why. Because I was just so lazy. I was just, you know, not giving a rip about anything. And they found a bong in my closet. And Mm -hmm. Mary Lee kept it from BB finding out. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The funny thing is, like, I didn't really... I don't think that was really mine, but, I mean, I was doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was doing that kind of stuff, too, where I I remember there was a time we were at somebody's house doing that, and everybody was getting high and stoned, and I remember in a... It was like God kind of allowed me to see how stupid it was, because it was like my eyes opened up, and Mm -hmm. I looked around the room, and everybody was just laying around and looked pathetic, and I was like, I don't like this. I, I think... God was showing, you know, along the way, like God had all these moments where he was basically drawing me to himself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, back to the ice truck, seeing that man in the body bag on the side of the road got me to kind of really start reading the Bible, even though I didn't, I had a hard time even kind of understanding what I was reading. Yeah. So I made up my mind. I was going to go back my junior year, get my life straight, start living right. And the first night back, we had like a rushy party or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I passed out on the bathroom floor at the house we were at or something. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know, so upset with myself because I'd screwed up again. You just felt like
0: you were in this spiral. Yeah.
1: And and I was just... Well, so the... the, You know, I I knew that like, all right, so it's going to be hard for me to, you know, live right. And I... Also, I knew Jeffrey Lancaster, the RUF director, you know, I knew who he was. And that day, uh, or one of these, a week or two after, he he came to the uh, fraternity house, came to Simicai House. It was like pizza day, and he, so he was eating pizza. And I, I went up to him for some crazy reason. I said, hey, Jeffrey, I'm Jamie Murphy. And he knew me because of Mary Lee. And I was like, oh, he was like, oh hey, how are you doing? And I said, hey, I really want to talk to you about something, that, you know, um that's just kind of been on my mind and my heart. I want to ask you some questions, and he said, well, "Why don't you give me a ride back to?" I can't remember what building it was. He said, "Why don't you give me a ride back to my office?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I said, "Okay," and and as we basically, you know, we're me, you know, he's kind of like, "Well, what do you want to talk about?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I, there's some." I just wanna to talk to you about, you know, I feel like I need to make a change in my life. I need to start acting different. I need to get my life right. I want to, you know, trust the Lord. I'm trying to do things better, yada yada. And the the one thing he said to me he said, he goes, Murphy, if I could um, if if you were to die today and you stood before the Lord and he said, Why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And I was like, "Ooh, man." Um, well, <laughs> I, I would probably look at God and I'd say, you know, because I was because I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to do this. That would mm-hmm. be a lot of works. Answers like stuff I'd done. Yeah. And so I kept, you know, kept throwing things out there, and just I was kind of watching his reaction. And I finally said, "Well, what, what would you say?" And he said, "I'm probably not going to say anything. I'm probably just going to point to Jesus,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's like." At that moment, I, I think that's when I got my first glimpse of what the gospel was. Yeah. And I started realizing it's not about what I can or can't do. Mm-hmm. It's about what Jesus did. And that's where, like, all of a sudden I felt, oh, my gosh, it's, it's about Jesus. It's about his work, his death, his resurrection. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. And... Him dying for me. And at that moment, I, I just remember I, I I was, I cried. I remember, um, you know, Gregory Mazzaferro, who was a Christian in the house. You know, we started talking a lot
0: and mm-hmm.
1: I started going to RUF. But I'd had all these kind of guys, friends that were, you know, I always partied with and had fun with. And I, it was, the crazy thing was, is in that moment, it was like, I was so you know, overjoyed about the gospel that I didn't care like what they thought. I just was, I was just happy and just knew that, uh, you know, I finally had an understanding of the gospel.
0: And that was going to be my question for you was like, what was your relationship like with those other friends from before? And like, were you able to witness to them in a way?
1: Well, and you know, at first it was a matter of I needed to kind of be away from that environment because even like one of my friends came at me at, at the attorney house one day, he said, you know, you're changing on me, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I am. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't probably ready to, there, there needed to be a little separation. Right. I didn't need to be kind of like coming to them and sharing the gospel yet. And, you know, and then hopefully that. and I think they did. I think they could see like in my behavior that I was different. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's, that's your best witness is just you're, actions you know sometimes your actions and just loving others is is sometimes how you share the gospel with people but Mm -hmm. um but you know as time went on and you know um yeah you're able to go and you're like i said you're able to share i think i think sometimes christians feel like you have to speak like you know the bible to somebody or you're you know Speak verses to get them to see God's grace and get them to, you know, to share the gospel. But I think the biggest thing that a that a student at Ole Miss can do is just love others. I mean, yeah. if you it goes so far, it it that's the thing that when I look at you know what Jesus has done for me and His love for me, it's I mean, it's ultimately like just His love for me is what drew, drew me to Himself. You mm-hmm. know, and that's how I think as Christians, especially on a college campus, you know, you're you've got to love. You know, look at your friend group, See, you know, do you have friends across the spectrum? You know, are you is the wild kid? You know, are you spending time loving on them? Because yeah. it doesn't mean you love on them in the minute they're in the moment they're being wild, but loving on them, you know, in other settings is going to open their eyes to be like, why is that person loving on me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they want to know more.
0: So, what was your relationship like with your dad going forward after you became a Christian?
1: Um, I, I, you know, at first I felt like I needed to, like, there was a lot of, we didn't talk for years.
0: Yeah. So and he was, I, think, a, like, I never knew him that well. Like,
1: yeah. I think after, so when I left, like, the last time I saw my dad, I think until my, might have been my senior year in college, was that day that he was putting furniture out in the yard. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that was, but I felt I was convicted, you know, after I became, after Christ came to my life, that I needed to try to uh, reach out and and you know love Him and let Him know. I, I don't know why I did. I felt like I needed to go apologize for my behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, my dad wasn't. I don't know. He just he wasn't. Still wasn't in a, a really good place. But. I tried to reach out, and um,
0: but it, it shows was you the power of the gospel because you realize, like, you've been loved so much that you could go—you couldn't have had that attitude towards your dad, probably, if your life oh, had no, been changed. Oh no, I
1: hated him. Yeah, I hated him uh, for what he did to us, what he did to me. I mean, how he treated us. I mean, he couldn't hold down a job. We didn't have money. I don't even know how my, my mom paid for everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't even know how we made it through. I mean, I would I, I still got to go to Ole Miss. I mean, I mean, I, my grades, my grades in college were better than high school, but obviously, I had a lot of distractions in high school, so I didn't, I didn't have scholarships. I was getting Pell yeah. grants and I was getting student loans. Mm-hmm. And I had a bunch of student loans that when I after I graduated, but yeah, I, I hated him for a long time, mm-hmm. and and it was only because of Christ that I could forgive him and actually you know, on, on his deathbed, you know, where, you know, he was dying of cancer and he could barely speak. And cause he had had a stroke and all this other stuff, yeah. but he, I, I could read, you know, the, I could read his lips, mm-hmm. um, or as he was trying to talk to us and he looked, you know, one of the last things he said to us was he's sorry. Wow. And so, you know, right there on his deathbed, just being able to Say it's okay, you know, and, and for, you know, truly forgiven. Truly forgiven, yeah.
0: Um, one of the other things that I wanted to talk about in your episode um, is your your experience with students. Because after you graduated, first off, you were an RUF intern at Mississippi State, and then you had to be the youth director. Were you the first youth director at Christ Pres?
1: First youth director at Christ Perez. There was only one... <clears throat> kid who was going to be in the youth group he was going to be a sixth grader (laughs) and so we had no youth but the church hired me for i think a whopping $13,000 a year (laughs) jenny was a teacher at um university school there i can't remember what the name of the school was and uh so we were you know combined salary of like $30,000 a year
0: oh my goodness
1: yeah and uh my job was to go into the to the high schools and and draw kids to church, which we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have free pizza and the kids would come, and so we had all these kids there on a Wednesday or a Thursday <laughs> night. I can't remember what night it was, but yep, I was I was the first one.
0: So, how did God use that time in your life, and what did you learn about students working with them then? And
1: well, I think the the biggest thing if I was I guess if I, I was thinking about kind of what I'd want to share, you know, to the college kids that are listening right now, it would probably be three things. Yeah. That, you know, the biggest thing you can do if you want to share your faith is, like I mentioned earlier, it's like loving others. Number one, um, don't don't get wrapped up in what other people do. You know, if they're if they're non-believers, I mean, what do you expect from a non-believer? They're going to do things that non-believers do. Mm-hmm. But as as a Christian, you know, don't be afraid to to go and love on the one the the wild kid in your fraternity or sorority or friend group or whatever it may be, or uh, in your classes. You know, reach out and get to know people.
0: Yeah.
1: Be kind. Be loving. Um, you know, I, I think the, one of the I would say like one of my spiritual fathers, you know, Jeffy Lancaster. I think that his. His greatest asset as a pastor preacher is the fact that he absolutely and I'm talking about he loves on people, he hugs on people, and just lets them feel like he just cares so much. And I think yeah. that's such a picture of, of Christ is is you know, what draws someone to yourself is mm-hmm. the, the loving kind person who's not being judgmental, you know, with the kids that go out and they wanna party at night and they're staggering home drunk the next day, or in the morning, whatever. You know, the biggest way that you can show them—I so, mean, yes, they need—they need to hear preaching. They need certain things, but to somehow get a hold of their heart, you mm-hmm. know, and and mind first, they got to feel loved.
0: Because you, you—I think of, you were that kid. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and
1: I think a lot of times Christian Christians are so—it's not—they don't get a fear. A lot of people think Christians are all these people that are just trying to do good. I mean, as as we grow as Christians, we realize how filthy and dirty rotten we are. Yeah. And how badly we need Christ. It's like that old saying where when you first come to know Jesus, the cross is, you know, about the same size as you are. But Mm -hmm. yet, as you grow, you actually decrease, but the cross increases. And so, a lot of people think that Christians are just this, you know, the, the... do-gooders. And I was going to say that too. The Bible too. beaters. And
0: have that holier-than-thou mindset. Yeah. That is not how you show love. No. At all. It's when you realize, like, I'm a sinner too, you know, that yeah. you can relate.
1: Yeah. And and some people you're never going to reach. I mean, you know, God is going to—ultimately, it's God that opens their eyes. But as Christians, we're supposed to love and not be judgmental. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes that's hard because even I struggle with that sometimes. I get— I get to thinking about well, why is this person doing this and why is it? But you know what? The reason why is because they're unbelievers, and what do you expect from an unbeliever? They're going to do things that unbelievers do.
0: Yeah.
1: But you know, the biggest, the biggest, te- you know, the biggest testimony, the bi- the biggest, um, biggest thing you can do is just love on those people, get to know those people. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about how they feel about you. Just show that you care. Just take the take the focus off yourself and put it on others. Yeah, and love others. Um, the other thing I would say is, and I, I don't. I, sometimes I feel like Christians struggle with this: is being in the world, not of the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I think it's good for unbelievers to see Christians going to the parties. Yes. Now it doesn't mean that you can't. If you feel like you're going to struggle, well, get an accountability partner, somebody that will be with you to hold you accountable. But, you know, because I was, I mean, I'm easily tempted myself, but you've got to go and be be there and be fun and mm-hmm. be, you know, doesn't mean don't go outside of what the way God made you, but they need to, I think, unbelievers sometimes need to see that. They yeah. to see you being in the world, not of the world. And it's kind of like that. Um, Billy Joel he sings the song about uh, only the good die young and, and, he, and he says there's a line in there and I feel like a lot of unbelievers feel this way he says mm-hmm. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints yeah so as Christians we can't be seen as like just no fun right if we if we truly understand the gospel we and, and the fact that we're going to be with Jesus ultimately in heaven and there's so much joy to be had mhm well, let's be in the world and showing our joy, Yeah. and people will see that. People will be like, "What's di- there's something different about that person?" Mm-hmm. You know, how are they having fun? And 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 sometimes that makes people want to know more or find out yeah. more what's about what, what's what's why is that person that way? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is is be be joyful. You know, I think that is. <clears throat> I think that's probably one thing that I struggle with a lot because as you get older, you get away from college, you start having, you know, whether it's a job, you get married, you have kids, you have all these things. And I, you know, I tend to lose my joy um, because I get caught up in the circumstances. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But as a Christian, we should, even in the midst of struggle, there's so much to be thankful for and be joyful about. And I think that is another key for, you know, uh, Christians is, is is let your let your joy be seen you mm-hmm. know um, you don't want to you know and if and if we don't have joy then we probably should question you know and cry out to God you know for help and better understanding or just get back in the Word and go to the gospel because every time you go to the gospel and you get a realization of number one who you are as a dirty rotten sinner that Jesus Paid for that. He died for that. Yeah. And, he's, and he cried out on the cross, you know, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He said that, ultimately he said that when we come before him, we're not saying that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And that that is amazing joy. If that
0: doesn't bring you joy.
1: And it should. I don't know what.
0: Yeah. And it
1: should. And, and we have to reflect. It doesn't mean that as... Look, we're all sinners and we're going to struggle on this earth and <clears throat> things happen and we are fallible. The other thing I'd say for, for college kids to understand, especially Christians, is, you know what? You're going to screw up. Yes, for you're sure. You're going to fall flat on your face. Some mm-hmm. days worse than others. Uh, you're going to feel like you've made a mistake that you can't recover from. I mean, I saw it all through college. Um, you're gonna You're going to do things that you're going to ultimately regret. Yeah. But we have to take that back, take it to the cross and you realize okay Jesus has paid for the worst of my sins mm-hmm. you know sometimes we feel like there' are sins that are worse. Well whatever your worst is, whatever you think your worst is you know in the eyes of God they're all the same He's paid for that right and and that's where you have to go and you have to rest. I mean talk about resting at the cross I mean that's what you know I have to do um, all the time For me, Continually, I mean, you you live here. You've seen how we are. (laughs) We're dirty, rotten sinners, and you have to take. We have to take that to Jesus, and then realize He paid for it. It's taken care of, and that when God views me, He sees me through Jesus and all Jesus's perfection. um, That now covers me, you know, because that's what that's really. What, happened at the, what happens at the cross is Jesus takes all our filthiness and wears it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, and is punished for it, and he gives us all his perfection.
0: Yeah,
1: And, and so even in our filth, and, and when we fall flat on our face and kids at school fall, fall flat on their face, you still can wake up the next day, go to the cross, and you ask for forgiveness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you rest in the fact that Jesus has already paid for it is done
0: yeah and we kind of i kind of talked about this with grace but it's a daily transformation and that's what's so cool is that even though you keep messing up you keep messing up well you still keep becoming more and more like jesus if you're his it's like yes you keep sinning keep messing up
1: yeah that's the sanctification process and it's you know actually i think a lot of times as we're being sanctified we're realizing more and more of like you're 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 growing in areas, but you're also seeing areas where you're you fall so short. Right. And, I, I, yes, and you're gonna right. constant you're gonna constantly see where you fall short as as long as we live on this earth, because you know it's um as Paul talks about, you know, it's the flesh versus the spirit, and mm-hmm. you know that there, we're still in this flesh state where we're broken and we crave simple things, mm-hmm. and then e- even as we kind of battle, you know, as Christians day to day. There's gonna be areas where you're growing and then the areas where you're still weak, but you're never we're never gonna see us beat it here on this earth no. until we pass over into glory.
0: That's true. Well I feel like we probably had our time there. Yeah we are. But um that was awesome. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for being here. Yep. <laughs> Y'all tune in next week. I'm gonna have two really awesome guests on the podcast for the next one. So can't wait to see you again.